bitch this motherfucker, Jake. No, no, man, I can't fuck with it right now. Oh, man, I've been dealing with you for three motherfucking months. You ain't hit the pipe in front of me yet. So what you saying? I thank you, 5-0. 5-0. Man, I ain't no motherfucking cop. Well, hit this motherfucker then. Hey, welcome to episode 34 of the Draft Champions Podcast. Today, we got Matt Modica on the show. What's up, Matt? Hey, uh, good morning. I am excited. I am nervous uh, for baseball's return. Kind of like that first time. I know. Well, I'm excited to have you on. It's been a while. You were, you, I think you were one of our first guests when we, when the show first started and you were awesome. So uh, I think it's been too long, but we've had quite the hiatus uh, from baseball and I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited for it to be back. And I was saying to you off the air that um, uh, I'm so glad baseball's back, but like, I think uh, we both, I think we both play football as well. And they're now in the stage where baseball was a month ago where they're sort of nervous and just saying, Oh, everyone's going to get the coronavirus. And, Things aren't going to happen the way we want it to, but I'm I'm just hopeful and I'm just glad that we're going to give it a shot. Yeah, no, look, we, we have to, you know, at least make every attempt possible. How it's going to unfold, I honestly have no idea. One thing I will say, uh, just in general life and especially fantasy sports for me, I, I like to be a pretty confident person when I believe I know what I'm talking about or, you know, specifically focused on and i'm gonna be honest this year it's pretty much crapshoot i'm gonna try some things but you know i don't feel like i have an an advantage uh that i that maybe i feel i have in in other seasons does that does that have to do with uh i guess the uh the lack of prep like less time to prep now with um just absorbing all the new info no, I don't think it's the lack of prep time. I think it's more of just the short season. Like the beauty of baseball is is that grind and the you know, you get to August. You know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people subside from that. It's football time, they're out. And the other key thing is the selective time when you receive uh, stats over the course of a full season it'll all work out for you. You know, usually that guy is going to come somewhat for the most part, doesn't always happen, but for the most part, we'll come in that range of what you expected, but you know, you can get either two great months, which could give you a real legitimate shot to win. Or if you get off to a, a bad start, you're done. You know, you're not coming back from it. Yeah, absolutely. So what this is what something I was just thinking of, um, and this wasn't really on my agenda to talk about, but is streaky versus non-streaky hitters. So I'm trying. I'm still haven't really decided. I've, I'm just in the middle of one or two new drafts now. But what what's really going to be my risk tolerance for these streaky hitters? So like, take like a Pete Alonso. Um, all of his stats, like all of his other stats, other than home runs, um, RBI runs, average, they all come along with the home run. So if he goes on a home run drought, he's literally like fucking giving you nothing like it's a goose egg like if he's not hitting home runs mm-hmm. so i'm trying to figure out like okay these streaky guys do i want to like you, you don't want a streaky guy that's gonna like if you're gonna draft a guy for batting average you definitely don't want a streaky guy if that's good if he's gonna be your asset but they they are generally the batting average guys like your bats your altuves your brantley's your adam eaton they're generally not streaky but these home run guys are so like do you want do you want to limit your exposure to them, or do you want to just get like, or do you want to grab a lot of them and just hope that sixty percent of them really give you a boom? Yeah, no, I mean it's it's just a, like what's a streak? You know, you get you get a good solid month that first month. You know, you're in contention that second month, and you know maybe that can catapult you to a victory. You make a good fab choice here or there to compliment your team. Uh, but it's just like where the stats go. Like the last two months of last year, Bryce Hopper was basically better than, you know, Ronald Acuna or this, or basically the same player, if you want to say it at that at least. Nick Castellanos was, you know, amazing. 
And when we get into relievers, we can touch on that too. So it's just, I don't know. Like when the guy who bats, you know, 280 consistently, what yeah, am I, I saw... going to get? What, what am I going to get? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that site you posted on Castellanos and Acuna. That's interesting. Just, I guess, minus the stolen bases. They were like, he was mm-hmm. better. So, yeah, that's in the, the move. Like, yeah, he, 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 and him and Osi, Marcelo Zuna, they're the guys that are getting pushed up in drafts um, already. They might, they might, they might end up being in, in the 70s when it's all said and done in the main event. Yeah. Well, one thing I think I'd want people to take away is just uh, for like the hitting side, I'm going to focus on who are the good hitters. And I'm going to have my strategy, whatever that may be, where I need to get the power, the speed, and how, you know, you, that you got to, you know, it's, it's like making a nice meal. You got to have the right ingredients, or, you know, when to add this and that. But, you know, for two months, I don't know, like, how, like I said, how it's going to play out. So I want to try and get guys that can hit, guys yeah. that can hit, and whether it's, you know, home away, lefty, righty, yada, yada. Just good hitters. <laughs> exactly. I guess that's uh... all right. Well, before we get started, I just wanted to address maybe like um, again. Uh, we, I'm going to do this with everyone that comes on this week. The elephant in the room, the NFBC decision, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, also also before we get into it, I want to um, of course remind everyone they can follow you at CTM Baseball on Twitter, right? Yes, CTM Baseball at Twitter. Is there anything uh, else? You, anything else you want to uh, plug or anything else that you're that you're working? No, on? I just. Uh, just the excitement for sports. I mean, right now it's been watching golf and betting on golf and playing chess versus my cousin. That's <laughs> nice. <laughs> Not, no checkers? Uh, no checkers. I've, uh, I graduated from that a while ago. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Okay. So what do you think about the decision? I, I, what I said was um, I'm good with it. I'm happy with it. I'm going to, I'm going to join one main event, I think. Um, and um, I'm, of course, done a bunch of draft champions. So I, I, what I said yesterday, and I'll say it again just because you, you wouldn't have heard it yet because we haven't put the episode out, is um, I was, uh, I'm okay with the decision. I think they came to a, a good, like, an acceptable final, final solution. However, I was a little bit surprised about um, I would have thought they would have kept the Rotowire onlines and scrapped the DCs. But that's just me. Like, I, I was just surprised. Wow. I'm I'm, surprised. I, I don't mean to even cut you off, but okay. I would heard that i would have totally been on board with that uh look it was a no-win situation for them i've long been a staunch supporter of the nfbc whether if i had a radio show columns i've written whatever twitter uh i think it's fantastic i want it to survive they had to keep something in place i would have thought it would have been the rotowire that started in say january there is fab to fix it too so as opposed and outside of my DC auctions, I love the auctions. I did the 750 standalones that Andy Saxton created. Those are all gone. Uh, I had, I had a three or four online championships. I absolutely loved. So if I knew they had to keep something, I want them to stay in business and I'm going to support them, but I just wish it would have been done differently. So, but there's, I, I can't fault them because they are businessmen and they had to come to some sort of decision. Nobody was going to like it. I mean, personally, I would have loved just a clean slate and I would have bought a four pack of the main event, but that didn't happen. Are you going to buy any of the main event? Uh, I will definitely do at least one, most likely two. And the reason I'll do two is I would kind of like to maybe next week, you know, those first couple, I think getting in that is just, uh, you know, it's like the new frontier. You know, there are, you know, old uh, ADPs or you guys are doing draft champions now too. I just, you know, kind of find that intriguing, but I definitely want to do one. If, if I only did one, I want to do it as close to the season starting. Of course, you know, it's, I don't know what's going to happen over these next couple of weeks. So, yeah, I'd, I'd like to get in earlier too, just before all the ADP and everyone sort of. Uh, I want to. I want to be able to capitalize on the things that I, the things that I hope to be, um, I guess, market efficiencies right now, um, and then mm-hmm. because those go away as the, as the drafts go on and stuff like that. I mean, yes. You're seeing. I'm seeing it right now. I'm in. I'm in the last um, the red um, draft champion second chance right now. 
there's a couple uh, like Mike Mager, Cha is in there, Fish. Yeah, Josh, great Josh. players. Those yeah, there's a couple of great names you mentioned there. Yeah, so we're in the, we're about we're around 14 now, and but I couldn't pass it up because you're like that red second chance DC. All there's been there's there's 15 leagues that are drafted in that red um, these like the red category, uh, and they're cutting it off after that. And 14 of them were drafted before all the decisions were made. So you're really this one league has a huge advantage because you're drafting these 14 leagues that were drafting when no one knew what was going on. So now you know, you know, like the sixty mans, the thirty mans already. So I couldn't pass it up. So I'm doing it. But there are some good players. But like you're seeing, your you're seeing the the, the closers go earlier. I think we're jumping ahead a little bit. But like you're, you're, it's not too. What you're seeing is not so much different. Not too different from what you've seen before. Um, like we, I see Mike Clevenger went one point one three. So that's 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 high. Um, yeah, I mean. I personally like one thirteen. You're saying he went, he went yeah, th- yeah, thirteenth pick. I, first I don't have a problem with it. I mean, if you no, know, he's he's got healthy now. He had the time off, and I, you know when I initially did my starting pitcher ranks, he was my SP four. So I, he, I'm not against it. I'll say that. Yeah, he went the SP three here. Yeah, no, it's, that, that it's just interesting to see. So I think. Um, I think yeah, it, we can get into a little bit late if we get some time, but um, yes. it, it's. Um, it was interesting to see, uh, but not, there's not there's nothing earth shattering what's going on right now in these new in these new drafts. So that goes to say that really maybe what was drafted before, besides a couple oddballs, were it might not be too off. But we'll get into that. So um, when, when you're looking at the draft champions, and I guess this can be applicable to other drafts like the main or any Rotowire online that, that are going to ha- be happening going forward, um, is there any new people that are just completely off your board? I mean, I don't know right now. Honestly, I, I probably the same people I was avoiding uh, in the past. I'm probably still avoiding unless some new news comes out. I know Aaron Judge hit off a tee, and he's had the uh, extra time. But, I mean, this should have been cleared up a while ago. And as of right now, I don't want to take a chance where any little setback, if he has a setback, say the demon of him healthy or he looks good, but then a couple of days prior – as a setback, I don't have time to deal with that. And, you know, I'm, unless he was at a, at a spot where maybe I felt comfortable then, but I think there's plenty of other hitters out there, you know, that could provide that power that I'm looking for him and stuff. And I, you're going to need guys on the field. You're going to need your, your uh, top players or your producers in certain categories to produce, and they got to be playing. Well, yeah, that leads you. That leads me to the. Yeah, I'm, I feel with I feel you on Judge. I don't think I'd take him before pick a hundred for sure, um, but I would. I'd start considering him after that. But I think what you said, you need people on the field, and I think that could be applicable to uh, closers. But we can start looking at the pitching landscape. Ask you about that now. Closers. I'm in this draft. I took somebody I never took before um, in Craig Kimbrell because as my second closer, I'm not. I'm, I'm not I was sort of off him this year because just for obvious reasons, but now um, you, you can't, you can't really wait for closers to earn that <laughs> job. So like guys like Wade Davis moves up a lot for me because he's going to at least like, I don't know, at least contracts is something where if you get a certain amount of saves, they, they have to pay him. So they're probably going to want to avoid that. But now in a short season, like, I don't know how that contract works, but he might be those whatever six saves before he starts shitting the bed might be really good. Um, guys like, like just guys like that are going to have that job and, um, and they're going to be used as the closer regardless. I don't think, I don't see the Cubs really just bringing Kimbrell in. He's sort of that old school type of guy. He's not going to want to come in in the seventh or eighth because that's a good part of the order they need him to face. Yeah, no, uh, I totally agree with like the relief pitching. I think it will uh, get a push up. I mean, like, uh, and, and, I, and I do agree on Kimbrell before I get to the next point. I, I was off him, but in this condensed season, He's their guy. I mean, he's going to get every opportunity to succeed and be that guy with the Cubs. So I'm definitely with you on, on that. Someone that I wasn't going to touch that now maybe I would, but you're going to need that second closer. You, like, you said, you, like you said, you can't wait. But the whole relief pitching landscape is a lot more interesting. You know, guys that maybe don't get that fifth starter role and – have extended innings that they'll be pitching. Like Milwaukee, I don't know what's going to happen with Freddie Peralta or Corbin Burns. If those guys are pitching multiple innings and in positions 
where they can come in and get wins, that's going to be uh, – that's really going to help them out. I mean, yeah, I'd I like did. to see either one get a starting spot. Well, I don't. I don't know if I do because I've 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 had quite a bit of exposure to both those players you mentioned. But I'm not sure. I think that if they get a starting spot, it might be worse because they're not going to get the wins because if they if they use like some sort of opener or three inning type scenario where Freddie Peralta pitches the first three and Corbin Corbin Burns pitches the next three, Corbin Burns gets is more valuable in that case. Would he not be? Yeah, but he's not going to get a win either if they pitch four. It's only four <laughs> innings. It's a, it's a tough call. Yeah. I, maybe you are right that it's better that way. I just think that, you know, they're interesting. I think the Brewers have an interesting group. Uh, you got Hauser, you got Suter, uh, Lindblom, and then you got Woodruff, who I, who I was really on uh, earlier. I don't see reason to get off of him. Uh, and th- that's another thing here, too. What is the schedule? Is, is it definitely going to be uh, AL Central versus NL Central? I believe that's what it's going to be. But I haven't seen the schedule yet. So that's my assumption. I'm going to that too. Yeah, no, no. And I think that's the right assumption to take. But the relief pitchers, like last year, the first two months, Shane Green had 18 saves. Nobody wanted Shane Green, including myself. People avoided him like the plague. Yep. And he got 18 saves by uh, May 31st. The only person who had more saves than him last year was Kirby Yates. So, yeah, the whole pitching thing I, I think is it's, – it's fascinating. I still want to have at least one ace. The reason I want to do two also is I think I want to go one where maybe I get one ace and then wait, and I want to do one where I'm more pitching heavy and I have some maybe the, the closures and, and an ace or something like that. So that's why I'd probably wind up doing two. Right on. I was uh, – I was, I was, I'm sort of debating this strategy right now. I haven't implemented it, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, and I'm kind of worried about like just managers um, managing more like a playoff scenario and pitchers going less deep into games. So uh, I was talking to Mike about this yesterday and I said, he sort he's, he basically blew up, blew me off. Like it was a stupid idea, but um he, uh, I was saying that, say, take the Astros, for example, they got like McCullers, Josh James, and, and this is just a theoretical example. So I guess Dusty Baker plays into the fact that maybe this, maybe they will get to go longer, but uh, just pretend like these guys are going four mm-hmm. innings or something like you got J- James McCullers and then maybe Whitley comes up. Like, would it be viable strategy to, um, to grab like uh, Brian Abreu or who is the closer? I'm forgetting again. Um, not their closer. Uh, not not Osuna, but the, not uh, not Osuna, but the um, setup guy. Um, uh, I forget his name. Uh, Presley. Presley. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you had me too. I'm thinking of Harris. I'm like Harris is gone. I'm like who the hell's the other guy? Yeah. So <laughs> would, would it would it be? Can you afford one of your nine pitcher spots on, in your active roster to put like let's say you did have McCullers and Josh James on your team? Would it be a viable strategy? to get like a, a long reliever guy, like, or to, well, I guess a better example of, of this, and maybe I'm showing my cards here on somebody that I want to look at is, is Drew, Drew Palmer. So let's I, say, I, that was the name I was about to say, but come out of my mouth. So if, like, would, like if you had Paddock and you had Lucchese and you had um, Richards and you had all those three guys in your staff, just staff, just by, by, by chance or by lucked out. And then would it be a, would it be a viable use of one of your nine pitching spots to put, put Drew Pomerantz in your starting spot because he'll grab those wins potentially that you're going to miss out if those pitchers don't go five innings? Well, I think maybe that first month, if everybody – well, not everybody. You hear a report some guys are ready to go five innings and all that. But say the majority goes three or four innings in that first month. Now, pitching is still going to be half the points in your leagues. So if it's not that first month or those first three starts – it's that let it's that second month. There are going to be guys that are going to separate, and even though it's a finite and one bad start could blow it up, but you know the the, the studs are going to hopefully be maybe they start going you know four or five innings the first few times that, but in that second month if they're going six seven, and getting wins and piling up strikeouts, that's going to be huge. But to your point about the relief pitchers, I would just take a Pomerantz to play him if, if I don't have – if I don't have the good matchups that week and my – say my two-star guy isn't worth starting, I, you know, I don't feel comfortable, don't want to blow anything up, 
Then a guy like Pomerantz or anybody, say Freddie Peralta, we know he has a he's going to be a multiple inning guy this year. So those guys, I think, do have roles. Like you can't have too many guys in like waiting, you know, or like you really can't do a handcuff this year. I don't think. Maybe with a thirtieth round pick on a guy that's sketchy, but I don't really see how I'll be in the handcuffs. And I think we'll definitely see that second closer and the high-end closers in general just move up a, a bit. You're saying you're seeing it now, and I think it'll only get closer because people want to bank that in. And uh, closers on good teams, too. Yeah, I've seen that now. Like I said, we're in the, I'm in that draft champion's uh, second chance. The last one in that red category we saw, I'm seeing Hector Neros in the sixth round. Um, actually, that was um, – um, he went before um, – he went before Giles and Kenley Jansen in the seventh, and you saw Hader go in the fourth, like at the, at the end of the, at the very end of the fourth. I mean, Hader, just what he can do, you know, he gets, you know, seven to ten saves, all those strikeouts and those ratios in that, in that, you know, small sample. That's. That's pretty. That, that's going to be pretty awesome for you on so many levels. So it's, the, I think the real fun with pitching is going to be the fatting and being that guy who's ahead of the game. The veteran guys know this, so it's no uh, cat out of the bag kind of thing. But you're looking two weeks ahead. When you're fabbing, you're looking for the guy who's going to get two starts two weeks ahead. So you're getting him for a small dollar amount and you're hoping to have that matchup but like i said i'm even concerned about that this year too i don't know what changes are going to happen and it just makes it it's it should definitely be fun chaotic and hopefully completed yeah i don't i don't know i don't i don't know if it's going to change that much uh from last year i can see it maybe going into four-man rotations uh, by the end by the last two weeks of the yeah. season yeah, no, you, you, you want to get into that playoff. Uh, teams are going to take a lot more chances. That's what's going to make the – that's what's going to heighten the fun, I guess. Yeah, so it might, it might, um, it might uh, increase the disparity between the really big studs because those studs are going to be pitching on four days rest and, getting in, and they're going to get worked, whereas um, people in the back end of the rotation um, are going to be going three, four innings and getting the hook in, in, in favor of um, just uh, high-end relievers. Yeah, no, it's, it's, there's so many ways to look at it. I haven't decided on which way to go. And I think if I do two, it gives me leeway to take, to take a shot on one. Cause I know some people are looking at like, uh, I really don't do daily fantasy, but like a GPP style, you know? So in, in that aspect, maybe one, I'm a little, I'll do something completely different than the other and see how to see how the cards fall. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder how would have uh, how this season would have played out. I think it was '96 when the Indians the year because I'm from Toronto. I remember this when the Indians beat the Jays in in the in the ALCS, um, and they yeah and they played the Cubs in the World Series. They just rode Andrew Miller. So I wonder if like Andrew Miller's arm would be off if, if, they, if his arm would have fallen off this year if uh, if he played with the Indians and it was that season. But also the Indians probably would have gone like 55 and five. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm not gonna know who's going to wind up getting COVID or not and how that's going to affect. So that I'm really not even going to speculate on, but I know everyone's going to most, most of the teams, maybe there's a couple that really know they have no shot, but most teams are going to go for it. I mean, if, if the blue Jays got hot out of the gate, they're in it. They got young, uh, exciting players. They got a kid like Pearson that could give them a nice shot in the arm. Giles, you know, was pretty damn good when healthy. I mean, he really, I mean. He was awesome last year. Was, yeah, I'm saying. Like, they, they had, no, one, no one cared, but he was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> no if if for not, you. Not for fantasy. Like, if it wasn't for fantasy, no one would give a shit. But he was awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, Ryu was a guy that I was avoiding this year. I just didn't like that move and all that. And yeah. having to face those, you know, playing those, pitching those AL parks. But you, you, you never know. I don't think he's a guy I'm going to go back in on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay away from. But it just makes it interesting. I think the Dodgers, I mean, I think it, for me, I know some people will say, well, how, however they run it, 
it's not really a big advantage. But I think the Dodgers, I mean, Walker Bueller is even more entrenched as my number three. I, I think the kid is on the cusp of greatness. Then when you go to some of these pitcher parks, if he goes, if, if it is the AL West and he's in, uh, you know, pitching in Anaheim, uh, he goes to Oakland with all that, you know, foul territory. Houston with the strikeout totals that always go up there. So, I mean, and then you got Seattle. So that's outside of his division. The one bad spot is uh, Colorado. Of course. So, you know, hopefully he avoids that. But I, I just like drool at what his potential is. Yeah. Yeah. He's guy. I like Bueller a lot too. Um, so, um, we talked about opting out. We said we don't really know. It's, you can't really speculate on it at all. But um, uh, the, the, have you heard anything like about? I, we 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 saw we've heard the five or six guys that are opting out. I'm sure there'll be a couple of other people, whether it's for their own health or maybe even family members' health. But I just I can't control that. I'm not going to be like, well, you know what, this guy had so and so. I'm just going to have. to. That's why I think you it helps. To wait is close, but then you're going to miss out on some of the bargains and stuff you could exploit early. So that's my recommendation. Do one early, do one late. It's just pure speculation. So I got plenty of other stuff to concentrate on. I'm going to concentrate on that. All right. What I I did here, I heard through, this is just sort of like a broken telephone. So take it for what it is. Um, But uh, we've already seen... um, uh, Ian Desmond would uh, opt out and, and Zimmerman. We got another similar person that I'm hearing is opting out is Dexter Fowler. Um, uh, that would be good for Carlson, of course, um, but also for the, for the same person. And take it for what it is. I also heard that um, along with Fowler, Jack Flaherty, um, those two, th- I heard those two names as potential opt out players. Now, Flaherty would just like that would be a seismic shift. It's when the yes. players, like at that level, and, like, if you did a draft champions and Flaherty's going, like, say you took Flaherty and Syndergaard, you're pretty much done. Yeah, yeah, You're, yeah, not, you're yeah. not recovering from that one-two punch. Like, maybe you have one of them, like Syndergaard you took, but you have some guys and you drafted, say, really kind of hopefully shrewd in those 2030s with guys like Wright and Ponce de Leon and the Mills, like those names. But – if, um, if Jack Flaherty – Flaherty, I'm going to have a hard time believing, of course. One, it's an opportunity for him to have a platform to make statements. He's made statements on Twitter and other social media uh, areas. So unless there's a health risk for him or somebody in his immediate family, I think he plays. Yeah, I, I – I... I have a hard time believing that too. And I'm just telling you what I heard and, oh, yeah, no, and, no. and for in contractually as well, you gotta, I gotta consider, does this make sense for him financially? Like how, what's what are the, what are the financial impacts? And I don't, I really don't know, but um, mm-hmm. I haven't looked into it too carefully, but all you can really do is you can, you can research if these players have families and, and you can look at Soto and Tatis and Bichette and you're like, okay, those guys aren't going to be worried about any kids. I don't think they're, they're too young to have kids. So yeah. Um, you, that's that's one bullet, bullet you've dodged there. But for what if they want to do it for whatever if they want to opt out for any other reason, you don't know for sure. But um, like you said, it's hard, it, It's really I agree. Can't really speculate that much. Um, and I think we touched we touched on this already. Like just like looking at the parks and the, the schedule. Um, a lot of uh, what what a lot of uh, people are saying or is the AL AL Central pitching really takes a really gets a boost because of the their their opponents obviously but what i i think i mentioned this to you before al east hitters particularly the yankees and the rays like mm-hmm. um i'm you know what i'm repeating myself a lot um from yesterday but that boston uh boston rotation is garbage <laughs> yeah it's a, it's I, I don't amazing. think people are giving it enough credit of how bad it's going to be like yeah, you know, obviously I, baltimore's bad and the jays are jays are not jays are below average yeah, I mean, Baltimore is bad. I mean, Baltimore. Boston is bad. Baltimore, we know, is terrible. But Boston is bad, and one of the reasons why, too, they lost, obviously, losing sale. But now you got David Price with the Dodgers. I mean, if you don't find David Price attractive this year, then I don't know. I don't, me, I don't, I, I'm, I'm off David Price. I think he, I don't, I'm worried about his arm. 
I mean, I, I think it's, but you got to put the price in there. You got to put his, I don't want to say, I said price, whatever. But you, awesome. you have to consider that. You know, he's not going at a at an exorbitant rate. And with the Dodgers and all, all that I mentioned prior, you know, it's it's really appealing to me. Uh, the AL Central, I everybody loved that to begin with. Outside of the Pirates, though, you know, the Reds got a really uh, good lineup. Uh, the Cubs can still feel the lineup. Milwaukee. So there's going to be – I don't think it's – you know, I don't think it's getting a boost, in my opinion. I think, if anything, there's more teams that can wreak havoc than before. Right. But maybe I'll, I'll, I'll differ on that. Uh, well, I think I, I'm, I'm focusing mainly on that interdivision, not like the not the interleague play. Like I, because no, no, I, I get it. But if, if just say they're going to have 20 games versus the AL Central, and if four games against the Pirates, yeah, that's a win. But, you know, you got to go into Milwaukee – uh, that's a house of horrors at times. Just ask Louis Castillo. But, but Louis I, Castillo's ERA in that park and outside of it is like two different worlds. Really? Yeah. So, um, but, but the thing is, if you're a Cleveland pitcher like Clevenger or Bieber, like going into Milwaukee, you're going, you're, you're playing Milwaukee eight times. You would have played them four times on in an, well, four, you would have played them four times regularly. You got one, uh, but now you're just doubling the games you play against them, which is not really four extra games. It's one more start. Yeah, no, I'm just looking at it where, like, you know, whatever, one year you play the West and things get more spread out. Now we kind of know. I'm just saying, I don't think there's, like, offensively, the Cubs, the Brewers, uh, the Cubs, the Brewers, the Reds, these are some good teams. They got some Card- good hitters. Card- like, Cardinals, yeah, I was thinking about that, Card- too. Yeah, that's a, it's, a good, it's a solid division, the NL West. The AL, sorry, the, the, the NL, NL like, Central. Who's a sleeper guy, like a, a guy that can really – be one of those like power beasts. The guy in the Cardinals, okay, his name slipped me. Not Carlson, the other outfielder. O'Neill. O'Neill. Like a guy like O'Neill, he has a hot month. That guy could be a game changer. If Dexter Fowler say opted out, and you got the DH and you got these spots, you know, like like Matt Carpenter is perfect for the DH. He's a man without a position and all that. But if a guy like O'Neill is getting regular at bats now and he goes on a, a home run tear for a month or something like that. In a two-month season, a guy that's going in the mid-20s or whatever, you know, that's how you – that's how you – you know, that's the path to profitability. I was watching the MLB Network the other day, and then Anthony Castrovinch, uh, Castrovinch, he, he had his most interesting DH candidates. Um, yeah, yeah, I like this. Let's go through this. He had 10 of them that he listed. Um, Jonas Cespedes, mm-hmm. Nick Senzel – Dylan Carlson, Alec Baum, Francisco Mejia, which is which is a surprise to me there. Howie Kendrick, Puig, Marcelo Ozuna, Schwarber, and Braun. Well, just to just to get onto that point, where you said it was a surprise. I think that's an excellent point because they'd rather have what's his name catch. And if you looked at just like Paddock's number with Mejia and who's the other catcher? Uh, um, Hedges, right? Hedges, yeah. yeah. Uh, like Hedges and Paddock together were like phenomenal. Mejia and Paddock, it was, you know, just a just a couple, so you have to take that for what it's worth. But a guy like Mejia that's just got to concentrate on hitting, that's what he's known for. But, yeah, I, I agree with a lot of the things he said. And I'll just look at it in the, just in the AL uh, – excuse me, the, the, the NL East, because I wanted to look at, like, the National League. And, you know, it how much it helps Cespedes is obvious, but a guy like J.D. Davis – now you don't have to worry about, like, playing time for him, most likely. That's a phenomenal boost there. And Austin Riley, who was a dollar or $2 in, a, in an auction or the first guy in the reserve rounds of, the, you know, the high-stakes auctions we were doing, he gets – we saw what he could do, you know, when he went on a tear. Now, obviously, he has to make adjustments, but it seems like he's done that at every level prior. Uh, Howie Kendricks. You know, he's now more secured of playing time. Uh, Zimmerman, you don't have to worry about giving him a bad step. Thames, Eric, Eric Thames might be at a boost there, too. Yo, Thames is definitely going to boost. And he's the guy that in the NFBC format, where you have that Monday to Thursday, Friday to Sunday, he's a definitely uh, 
a, a matchup play guy that you want to have on your bench. But even like Jay Bruce, who's another guy we saw like last year before he got hurt, he goes on those uh, streaks. And one of the most interesting guys to me still is with the Marlins, is with the DH now. How does this affect John Birdie's playing time? Because we saw what he did in September and that possibility. If they're like, you know what, the month of August, uh, I mean, excuse me, the, the month of September, let's just play this kid. We're not going, you know, let's just see now what do we have with this guy. We, we know he could be a, a difference maker, you know, league winner, possible overall shifter in that if he got the time and, and stole those bases. Is he that good of a hitter? I am not really sold on that yet. But the speed we know is real. Yeah, I haven't got any birdie shares, but um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I haven't I don't I haven't had the balls to pick him up in any of the drafts yet. I have him on. I had him on more of the auction styles. I, I liked getting him on that one. He had the multiple position eligibility and that speed. And I think you know a lot of times things just work their way out. Like we hear, oh, they got six or seven starters. You know, a month or two into the season, they only got four starters now. You know. Yeah. I think the two, two of the names that you mentioned that were really interesting that you that, – um, well, one I did, but Thames and Jay Bruce. And my buddy Craig McGee, who's um, on, been on, this, on our show, um, he mentioned in one of the shows before um, the season got stalled that the, he looked at the pitching in the NL East, and, he was, and Craig was saying that um, they have very few lefties in that division. Mm-hmm. So, like, guys like Bruce and Thames, like – like he, I think he, he said, name the lefties that are in the starting rotations that, in that division. You got Matz, you got Corbin, you got Freed. And I think that was basically it for the entire like NL East. So he's saying that you're going to see a lot of like the platoon guys like Thames and um, well, Jay Bruce, they might get a lot of playing times. And now, now they're getting even more. So those guys are going to get almost like a full slate of at bats. So those guys. Um, well, yeah, I think that's an excellent point what you're making. And this goes back to your bench. It's, Craig, like, it's Craig's point. So I'm going to give, give okay, him. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, Craig. But just going back to NFBC and your, your seven-man bench. Now, this year with pitching possibly being a supreme clusterfuck and all that, do you keep, like, how many pitchers are you going to hold? You want to have a guy like Thames that you can match up with and, you know, you you're going to need that other outfielder or whatever. And so holding guys is going to be awful tough. That's going to really, especially these, these kids, though, I think most of these kids are going to get an opportunity. You know, the, the teams are going to go for it. They could always, I'm sure, manipulate the playing time next season if it's a full year. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, that that goes. Um, that, that's a good segue into the next question I had on the prospects. Who do you like? I guess what what is has anything changed in terms? Of, like I, I think like I mentioned Carlson, and um, I'm I'm big on Gore and Spencer Howard. Those those three guys are like the obvious ones. And then we did allude to Bomb, but uh, those are just four names. But uh, what are your thoughts on on prospects this year? I I think Bomb gets a significant boost with the DH there. Um, I mean Joe Adele is a wild card to me. Does this kid get the chance? Do the Angels just say, you know what? It's two months. We could maybe steal we could steal something here this year. You know, they they want we all want Mike Trout in the playoffs. So in in a two month season, I think you gotta just go out there and try your best. Now is he I know he's got some things he needs to work on, but you know, if he got that opportunity, I'm gonna be Really happy. I, I know I drafted a lot of shares. I know some, a lot of teams are gone now, too. <laughs> so I don't even know what the hell is left as far as the past. I'm really more concentrating right now on the future. So, yeah, the other guys you mentioned are obvious. Like a Nate Pearson. He comes, you know, Toronto. It's like, you know what? Let's go full bore with this guy. Maybe they start using him for multiple innings out of the bullpen. And then that second month, He's, uh, you know, he's starting for them. I, I mean, I don't know, but it's just these things are all in play now. And one thing I forgot to mention on when we talked about relief pitching that I did want to uh, say was a guy that I have on a lot of, like, draft champions uh, formats, whether it's auctions or drafts, and I'm really hoping this one pays off, is Jordan Hicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, 
we come back, they start playing. You know, if they get six weeks as a closer or even a full month as a closer, that could be a uh, – It's a game changer. Could, yeah. That could really Here Jordan help. Hicks is my um, Knebel. I think I have a lot of Knebel. I think I have uh, – he's on like half my teams. Mm-hmm. That's another guy. I think he fits that bill too. Uh, but, you know, these are guys that maybe people didn't care about as much prior – that have an awful lot of. You lot better start caring about them now. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, look, I mean, Hicks, I don't know how much time he's going to need. You know, maybe he comes back. He's, he's just, he has no control, which won't work as a reliever. But, you know, if that velocity can come back and he can do what he has shown in the past on a team that's usually competitive, the, the uh, Cardinals. And they, they don't have any lockdown closure in place right now. Gallegos, I like Gallegos. I liked him. Well, no, no. I mean, there's guys. I mean, Gallegos. I mean, even Carlos Martinez could could do it. Uh, there was other guy, Hazley. They were talking about. I think somebody else too. But I'm saying there's nobody that's like they brought in the, this veteran guy to take that role for this year or this guy that's been there. So I think the door's open to him with the delay. Right. Um, to close, closing the loop on like our DH conversation and prospect conversation, I'm mm-hmm. bring them together and meld them together. I'm going to give you four names. Um, tell me, I guess, rank them in terms of most interesting to least interesting. Um, okay. And you got um, Jake Lamb, Kevin Crone, Seth Beer, and Rojas. Who do you uh, of, the, of those four? Who do you like the most? I would t- if 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 they if one of them uh, like say they all got a shot at real playing time, Rojas would be the obvious guy for me. He'd be yeah. the guy I'd want to see what he could do with a real role or just a real opportunity. I mean that is basically life in any form you do. It's all about opportunities and what you do once you get it. Uh, I mean beer. I think beers. May, he'd probably be the least. Because I think everybody, I think the other guys are going to get the opportunity before him. Like, can Lamb do it? Uh, you know, he had the shoulders and stuff. I really, out of Lamb and Crown, I really kind of like uh, Kevin Crown. If, if, if the opportunity presented itself, another guy that could hit the ball out of the park. Uh, so the most intriguing guy, hands down, is Rojas. Then probably Crone, Lamb, and Beer. Okay, cool, cool. Crone is my most second most owned player. I think I have him on oh, like. Okay. I have I have some shares. I definitely. He was a guy in you know those low to mid low to mid thirties, high thirties in the draft champions. You, you you put him in. You know he can play that. You know fit that corner position for you. You know you get home runs from guys like that that you weren't really expecting. That's always a added bonus, right? So you uh, you're talking about some of the old drafts. Who, what are what are some players that you're really glad that you, that you targeted before and that, um, that you have on a bunch of your teams that um, gain value? You sort of you sort of lucked. I won't, I'll, call, I'll use the word luck. But you lucked into these guys. Uh, I know it's not. I, I know you, don't, you. I'm not. I'm not saying it's luck, but you're just really happy you got these guys because of the, the shorter season. Well, I mean, I got some McCutcheon stuff earlier. And then maybe I kind of was staying away when he wasn't going to be ready, but it shouldn't have been all that time. Now McCutcheon's got two months to go on a real, really good offense. So these are more later type guys. Nick Senzel, I'm really happy I have um, shares of. I, th- I probably would have had more, but I think I lost a few on those standalone. <laughs> I got canceled. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Miguel Andujar was basically a dollar or two. I still think he does something uh, that winds up being really valuable for your team. So he was a guy for basically nothing. I think I got him at like the third pick in a reserve round in, in the first reserve round once as well. Uh, another guy I love, I have him on almost every team, is Yandy Diaz. Uh I just want to see what happens with this kid. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but he's got the first third eligibility. And the, the guy is built like a like a beast. And if that, you know, we, we saw it like Josh Bell and players like that, a little bit of a loft angle. That home run ball, 
I think it will still be in effect this year. Maybe if it was a regular season, it might not have been, but chicks dig the long ball. Everybody else digs the long ball. I like that. Yeah. Baseball, baseball wants viewership to be, and which is going to be, I think, anyway, because nothing else to watch. Yeah, but exactly. Baseball just wants everybody involved. Yeah, so baseball's going to be that, first. Back, first, the first one's back. And one pitcher I'll give, I mean, I can give a few pitches, but I'll just give one. A guy who Rich obviously – well, it's definitely Rich Hill season. That, <laughs> that doesn't even got to be said. If you follow me on Twitter or you know anything about me, it is definitely Rich Hill season. Love him. But uh, Austin Voigt with the Joe Ross opting out, I mean, I, I, I think he would have had, uh, had a, had a more, more of an uh, influential role this season than Joe Ross anyway. I think that yeah. was just a matter of time. So I think a guy like Voigt really uh, – and one thing to pay attention to is the Atlanta Braves rotation. Uh, something I want to be involved in. But how does it play out? Does King Felix, you know, get that shot? How long of a lease would he have? One is Cole Hamels coming back. Which they got the guys. I mean, Kyle Wright, somebody I'm really intrigued by. Even Newcomb uh, has shown some stuff. I really like Freed. So there's those three guys right there. I think Soroka get shit on way too much by industry people. I think that's a mistake. This is a kid who's a baby. He's done things that, you know, guys that are going to be going into the Hall of Fame were able to do at his age. Not a lot of people did it at his age. So for all the people that say his swing and miss sucks, you know, there's a couple of guys on a list with, with him. And it's, it's a very impressive list. So, I mean, Braves obviously there. Are the Mets, a guy like Steve Matz, what Steve Matz are you getting over two months, I think is really going to be an interesting watch. He kind of had that Strasburg syndrome when Strasburg was younger. If, like, a guy made an error or he didn't get a call, he melts down. He's had horrible uh, home, home versus away splits. Been really amazing at home, terrible on the road. Can he put it together for two months? I don't know. Did I lose you? Got me here? Yeah, oh, I'm here. Oh, sorry. I just I had to mute by accident. I had to no, okay. Uh, yeah, no, I'm saying that Matt's, yeah, Matt's, um, uh, he's going to get more shots of the Marlins for sure. And uh, I love, um, yeah, he's, he's definitely interesting and one of the only lefties in that division. Yeah. And, I mean, Marcus Stroman, I really, really – I mean, I'm a Mets fan. You know, everybody probably knows that anyway, but I'm a Mets fan. But when it comes to high-stakes fantasy, I, I want to win. If the Mets win, I'm super happy. I'm going to be pulling for them. But Matt Modica comes first. The Mets come second. <laughs> <laughs> hey, That's I, the attitude you should have. I hear you on that. Okay, in, in, in less, um, less um, happy news, who, who are you um, – you're like, oh, shit, I shouldn't have drafted this guy. Now he's uh, – Oh, that's simple. That's that's so, so simple. A guy I really – I was on that train. I was one of the people driving it. Uh, it's a shame because I wanted to see what would happen this year. And that's nowhere sin to God. I thought he could make that Garrett Cole transition the same age. He had, you know, and it's just not going to happen. And I have a lot of shares of Syndergaard. That's another reason why we should draft shit. I have draft champion shares of Syndergaard. I don't have him in one auction league. Ah, I didn't shit. Once, but I took him in the draft champions lot. It was like fourth round or whatever. Ah, shit. So, you know. I think my, my guy there is uh, Tyler Tyler Stevenson on the Reds because I thought I'm like oh they got no catchers and you know, I know I know it's like a late round pick anyways but now I don't think he's even on their on any of their like player pools or anything like that. Well, who's the right. guy that wasn't a late round pick that maybe you didn't want anymore? Like you wish. Um, let me see. There's somebody. You know what? All, all my, every everyone I drafted it was just amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I got one. I don't, I don't I don't I don't make any. Oh, yeah, you're regretting that? Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Miguel I got Sino. a lot of Sano, too. I got Sano. Okay, yeah. So, the, I, I, don't know if, I don't know if I'm regretting that yet. Um, yeah, no, I know. It's, 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 it's still up in the air. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Um, I just wanted to bring that up. To, to what do, you, do, you th- do you think he's going to – I asked um, Mike DeMelt this. I'm like, do you think he's going to – and Mike actually said that um, when I spoke to him yesterday, he's like, you know, he's, he's, he's telling me that uh, Sano is going to be an enormous bust this year. 
That's what he thinks. Um, but he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to speculate whether or not he's going to be on that restricted list. Where I've taken, you know, I accept the risk of his profile, but I just, now I'm sort of worried about that, that he's, he's gone on that kidnapping rampage. So, yeah, I mean, which uh, the Miguel Sano, the player, I think had tremendous potential in these two months, but there's so many stories. I don't know. His brother, whoever it was, was getting raped and yeah, I don't know. It's a horrible situation. Hopefully, you know, it gets figured out and justice is served however it needs to be. <laughs> yeah, he seems like maybe he's just sort of like a like a. He's, he might be just a fucked up player to own for like in like. A yeah, it it, it is going to make it tricky going forward. I tell you that he was a guy I didn't mind having as that second corner, or you know, putting him as like a DH. You know, having him instead of, say, Chris Davis, now, you know, I'm a hell of a lot more comfortable with Chris Davis, who I have a few shares of him as well. But, you know, yeah, another, power potential. Another guy I'm sort of regretting is um, Jorge Mateo. I know it's not that – he's not as, not as late, but not an early round. But I, I think him going to San Diego and away from the A's, um, um, I'm going to talk to John L. about that because he was big on the stacking all those Oakland A's, um, Mateo, Sheldon Deuce, and, and Barreto. But um, I think he loses value. I'm sort of regretting taking him. I was taking him like almost like around. Yeah, there. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I had a couple. I was intrigued by he didn't have any more options. And if they played him, what could happen? But you never know. You know, maybe at second base somehow becomes his in San Diego. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I think, things I, have I, happened. <laughs> I, think you're, I think you're right on this to know. I, I, I regret having such a, such a, a high concentration of shares of him now. Um, in all my draft champions league, I wish I, I wish I diversified a bit more. And, but yeah, he, he, he'd be a regret of mine to to be that exposed to. Um, all right, what else did we have on the agenda? Okay, the last thing I wanted to ask you about was um, was uh, like how does this impact like targeting upside in Fab? Like, are you are you now taking different shots at uh, near the end of your uh, thirty round drafts? Well, are we talking about with Fab or with just late pick? Well, I guess maybe I'll rephrase it. Maybe I'll clarify the question. Like, how are you approaching um, um, your fab strategy um, in terms of, uh, I guess, like, are you going to spend a lot early? And would that, like, if you are going to be spending a lot early, would you be taking, I guess, less risks, like, in your late rounds? So, you like, instead of, like, for me, I was taking guys like um, um, – well, before the season got halted, like Mackenzie Gore and mm-hmm. Spencer uh, Howard, and those no longer are such a risk. But would you, okay, so here's one: like Bomb, would you be would you be would you be taking a shot on Bomb, or would you be grabbing like a guy like Eric Thames instead? Like, I guess does, it, does that change your um, strategy? Well, I think that's a good question because you know a guy like Bomb, if he comes in Fab, is going to cost you a ton of money. Like he gets. Yeah. He gets the call. He's so he doesn't start with the team, and like a week later, they say, "You know what? We're putting them in. People are gonna pay uh, significant prices for." But I, I would guys like I would say I'd be more concentrated on guys like Thames, guys I know that have definite roles entering the season. If I can stash, say one of those guys later in that round, say twenty-seven to thirty, if I can keep one stash on my bench, I'm gonna try and do that. You know, to, to save me from having to blow all that fab money and stuff like that. Because so you want to have some money if you're really going to be competitive in, like, the, if you're going for the overall. You're going to want to have some money those final two weeks. I have a hard time doing that. I'm not going to lie. I do like to spend early and often. And if, if, if I think it's worth it, I'm going to take that shot. And hopefully I'm right. Are you going to start? Are you going to? I think you. I think you maybe alluded to this earlier in the when we were talking. But for closers, are you going? To, are you going to be taking stabs on like uh, I guess um, like a guy like Hazley? Are you more? Are you more or less inclined to uh, take your last uh, bench spot on like sort of closers and rate when waiting? Because they're going to be expensive. Not going to have any like they're always the most expensive guys to grab on Fab. Yeah, I'm probably not going to have any handcuffs. I'm going to try and get my closers. It's just too short of a leash. And how many closers do you want in a DC? How many closers do you want to end the draft with? Like that, that have that have the job? Two or three? Uh, I mean, the DC is different. I'm honestly, I'm just focusing on the main event right now. You want to have two closers, you know, have jobs, 
And then that third guy who has an opportunity to get some saves or is in the mix somehow, or is just a phenomenal pitcher that has the opportunity. Like he can give me stuff by say, he can get me a couple of saves, but give me the ratios and the strikeouts. So that I, we like to say sometimes two and a half to three. So something in, in that range though. I mean, I, I think you're better off with three always, but you know, it's, Who's, who's an example of like that half a guy? Like, is that like a Ryan Presley or? Yeah, you could say Ryan Presley. If he ever got the job, you know, he's going to be, you know, people are going to go crazy. Like a Drew Pomerantz, if he's what he was last year and something happened to Yates. I mean, I know there's other names. They got Pagan there. Uh, I mean, I'm just trying to think of, you know, guys that are going to give you high strikeouts, the good ratios and can get you you know, some saves. So I, I read, yeah, I think yesterday that uh, Jordan Hicks is going to start the season on the DL. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's, I think, is the DL still 15 days? I don't even know. But that's I, 20, I that's 25% of the season gone. Yeah, that's true. So uh, you know, he's more of like a late, late guy. That, yeah, not, not looking, he's somebody, though, I, I would, you know, if he's there in those last couple of rounds. I'd say he's going to miss the first 15 games. Okay, that's fine. But, you know, it's a lot of time. Team, That's a lot of time, though, this season. I understand. But uh, taking him or taking a guy that, you know, like Aaron Bummer, I'm not going to draft. I'm not drafting an Aaron Bummer in, in 30 rounds. I'm, I'm, and I'm not high on what's his name as the closer, but I'm oh, not going to take yeah. an Aaron Bummer. But, they, I mean, that's more for, like, the D.C.s. And I have a lot of Jordan Hicks in D.C.s, so I can't make any changes there. But if he gets a roll – you know, if he gets that job back the last month, saves seven games, that changes me in my pitching standings significantly. Cool. All right. I think somebody it, I would fab on. Like, I, if he if he was back and looked good and all that, and he he went undrafted or somebody drafted him and he cut, and it looked like he was going to get that opportunity back, I'm, I would be aggressive on. Right on. All right. Well, um, I think um, that that about uh, wraps up all the questions I had for you. Um, again, um, uh, Matt Modica, one of the great guys, great follow on Twitter at CTM Baseball. Um, really, really, uh, I guess if you're playing these uh, NFBCs, yeah, you're a must follow. I, I, I'm confident saying that. Um, great guy. Love having you. Love having you on. Thank you for coming back on. Um, really, I just thought it was fun to talk to you this afternoon. Well, thanks for having me. I love what you're doing with the pod. Uh, good luck this season. Uh, let's pray baseball is back better than ever, completed, all that good stuff. We just need sports on That goes for football, hockey, basketball, down the road, and all that stuff. So hopefully good things. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for some some happiness to, ha- to come out, come, to come, and it's going to come from sports, that's for sure. Um, so, again, thanks very much. Um, any uh, – Message me your request for your intro and outro song, uh, because now that it's a new thing we're doing. So we're feeding in and out, and then we're letting the guests pick pick the song. Mike Mike picked Highway to Hell um, yesterday, so you can you, you can think about it and you can get back to me. Sure. All right. I'll check it All right. But thanks for having me. Again. Th- appreciate it. Thanks again, uh, Matt Modica at, at CTM Baseball. But. Uh, uh, thanks very much, and I will uh, catch you later. Cause it's one eight seven on the undercover car. Cause it's one eight seven on the undercover car. Six oh five was the time on the clock when me and my homie bailed in the parking lot. The scene looked strange and it felt like a setup. Better not be, cause if it is, they get better. Oh, here they come from the back and they like. I'm checking for the gas, they strapped. So what's up, black? Chill, let's hit a deal. If it ain't up to what you feel, then grab your steel. Right, so what you motherfuckers gonna come at me with? Hope you ain't wanting none of my grip, cause you can say that shit. Guess what they told me? We give you 20 G's if you snitch on your homie. We'll put you in a home and make your life plush. Oh yeah, but you gotta sell dope for us. Hmm, let me think about it. Turn my back and grab my gat, and guess what I told you for a shot? If you don't quit, yeah. If you don't stop, yeah. I'm letting my gat. Cause it's 187 on the undercover car Yeah, and you don't stop Cause it's 187 on the undercover car Yeah, and you don't stop
Cause it's 187 on an undercover cop Yeah, and you don't stop Cause it's 187 on an undercover cop Yeah, and you don't stop Cause it's 187 on an undercover cop Yeah, and you don't stop Cause it's 187 on an undercover cop Yeah, and you don't stop